Good morning. How are you? Hey, did you miss me last week? Yeah, some of you, I got some yeses, I got a couple no's over here. That's good to hear. Either way, it's good to hear. We just had a great few days in Bonnie, Scotland. Had a wee bit of a ministry time there. And it was really good. Uh, had, had really great stuff. Ann will talk about it a little bit more later at the end of service. I'm glad you're here today, and I'm anxious to get into God's Word in just a couple of minutes. If you've got a Bible and you want to get a head start, turn to Genesis 41 is where we're going to begin today. Genesis 41. I just want to say welcome this morning, especially those of you who are at the bridge for the very first time. We're really glad that you are here today. Thanks for joining us. There are a lot of great churches in the valley, and we're honored that you choose to spend this morning with us. If you have any questions, out that first set of doors to your right, there is an information center. They can answer any questions you might have. You can also check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We have a church app that you can download on your device as well. Check that out. You can get any information you need. We're just really glad you're here today. If you will stop by the information center and just say, hi, I'm here for the first time, not only will they answer questions, they'll give you a more personal greeting. We're really glad that you're here today. Can we welcome our first-time guests together? God bless you. Thanks for being here. Let me also say, as most of you know, we are now doing Connecting Point on Sunday mornings on the first Sunday of every month during second service. We've been doing that two months now, and we're taking the summer to kind of get everything adjusted and on the new schedule. But I just want to say in the past couple of months, we've taken in, I think, 40, 42 new partners at the Bridge Church. If you're a new partner, welcome to the Bridge. Jump in. Let's do life and ministry together. So glad that you are a part of what God is doing here at the Bridge Church. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's truth. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our paths. And I ask you now to do something that only you can do. Open up our hearts to hear what you have to say to us today, and let us allow your word to work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today with a bit of an unusual title. I want to talk to you about a cross-handed blessing. A cross-handed blessing. How many baseball players do we have in the house? How many grew up playing baseball? What is this, Padres fans? Did none of you grow up playing baseball? All right. There's a correct way to hold the bat, okay? You hold it with, if you're a right-handed hitter, you put your left hand on the bottom, your right hand just above it, and you swing the bat like that. If you're a golfer, it's the same basic kind of grip. But sometimes people start out trying to play baseball or golf or softball, whatever it might be, and sometimes they don't know how to place their hands, and they try to do it cross-handed. And it does limit you. Some people have some success with it, but it really limits the way you can swing. It's interesting that with all that we know about the right way of doing things and the wrong way of doing things, sometimes God does things differently than we would do it. Isaiah tells us that the Lord says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God says, my ways are way up here, my thoughts are way up here, yours are kind of down here. I see a whole lot of stuff you don't see. You know, I was thinking about this morning while Zach was congratulating high school students and college students. Some of you felt left out. How many of you are just now graduating from the School of Hard Knocks and you've learned some lessons the hard way? <laughs> you know, we, we don't always understand exactly what God is doing. 
But I want to talk to you today about a cross-handed blessing, a blessing that works differently than we think. And really, it's two blessings that I'm going to be talking about. If you take time to read through the Old Testament, the first few books especially, the history of Israel, the forming of that nation, that people, the Old Testament is full of amazing stories. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul wrote and said that those stories are written for examples for us. They're written for us to learn from. They're types and shadows of what's to come in Christ, but there are also life lessons there. And you know, one of the saddest stories in the Bible is in the Old Testament. I preach a lot about this story because there are so many stories within the story, but it's the story of Israel from the time they leave Egypt miraculously until the time that they enter into the promised land, 40, 41 years, something like that. In that time of journeying in the wilderness and then eventually entering into the land, there's a sad, sad story that happens there. I want you to hear this today. An entire generation of a nation, not just a family, probably several hundred thousand, maybe a few million people died after going around in circles for 40 years and they never entered into the promised land that God had given them. One of the saddest stories in the Bible. To think that a whole generation of people, an entire nation could die and the next generation would rise up and they would become the ones who would go in and inherit and take and possess the promised land. But it's also sad to realize today that there are a lot of people who claim the name of Jesus and yet they never learn how to go in and possess all the promises that God has made to us. How many of you believe in the promise of eternal life? How many of you believe that most of God's word is written for right now until we get to that place where we go into eternal life? All those promises are for now. They're yes and amen in the sight of God and yet a lot of us never enter into all the promises, the promised land that God has for us. Israel did not embrace a fundamental principle God had given them 300 years earlier. For 300 years they had this principle and they forgot about it, they overlooked it, they forsook it and set it aside. And as a result, it kept them out of the promised land. You know, living life with God is amazing. I would not trade life with God for anything. Living life with God is amazing. Yet along the way in life, stuff happens in time. Can I get two amens in the house? Amen. Stuff happens. Could be the loss of a job and your income for a season. Could be a family quarrel. Could be a sickness or disease that attacks you could be molestation, could be a broken marriage, could be a poor decision. And by the way, a lot of our problems come about because of poor decisions. God and, and Satan usually gets blamed for it, but usually it's our decision, okay? And a lot of us suffer from that. Could be alcohol or drugs, could be lies that people tell about you. Sometimes things happen in life that just devastate you. And the question is, what do I do now? 
How do I move forward in life when those devastating things happen? In all of God's word, I don't think there was ever anybody who faced more adversity than a young man named Joseph. And he, he faced his adversity in his younger years. He was favored by his father. He received dreams from God about his future and the importance of his life. He was then hated by his brothers. His brothers plotted to kill him and then instead sold him into slavery and was taken off to Egypt. There he was falsely accused and put in prison. Later on, he became prime minister, second in command over the nation of Egypt, what was then the greatest empire in the world. So he went from, pardon the expression, he went from the outhouse to the penthouse that fast. But how did he do that? Years ago, I, I had a friend, and I was talking to him one day, telling him about this amazing thing God had done in my life. And, and he looked at me and he said, you know, I don't understand how you do this. I said, what do you mean? He said, you could fall into a garbage truck and come out smelling like roses. How do you do that? Let me tell you something. God's word gives us information that we need to learn to live by that shapes our lives and shapes our future. So, so how do you do it? How do you deal with unbelievable adversity? How do you deal with things that can totally shape your life for the negative? How do you deal with that? I want to look today at two scenes from the life of Joseph. Everybody knows, most of you knows the story of Joseph. I want to look at two scenes that maybe you haven't thought much about. And I want to look at two blessings. First, Genesis 41. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. Genesis 41. Let, let me set it up for you. Joseph has just been taken out of prison. He's now second in command over the nation of Egypt. The dreams that God has given him are beginning to come to pass. And during the seven good years, he takes a wife, who is really Pharaoh's daughter. He takes a wife and begins a family. Here's what it says. Genesis 41, go down to verse 50. And to Joseph were born two sons. Everybody say two sons. Two of them. Unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him now here's what i want you to see look at verse 51 joseph called the name of the firstborn manasseh everybody say manasseh say it loud manasseh the firstborn son he said i named manasseh which means for god has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house notice those words God made me forget all the pain, the toil, and everything that happened to me in my father's house. Verse 52. The name of the second son he called Ephraim. Everybody say Ephraim. Ephraim. Which means, for God has caused me to be fruitful even in the land of my affliction. You know, today it seems like most of us name our children based on a name that we like. A name that's popular, a name that's cool, a name that's unusual. Sometimes we make up names for our children just so they'll be different. But, but here's what I want you to see. In Bible days, it was very common for people to name their children based on what they thought their future might be. 
or to name their children based on the events of their lives because they wanted to leave a landmark for generation to generation. That's what Joseph was doing here. Joseph had two sons, and the name of the first son he named Manasseh. Joseph said, I want to leave behind a legacy so that every person that comes behind us who knows these names can understand how to overcome the challenges of life. Even the devastating things, the things that destroy many people's lives. Once you pass through the cross, God wants you to know your life doesn't have to be a life of bondage and pain forever. You can be freed, you can be made whole, and you can walk away from it and leave it behind if you're willing to walk it out with God. Joseph lived this out from the outhouse, the jailhouse, the prison, all the way to the penthouse. He'd experienced it all. And when he had his first son, he said, there's something I want everybody to know. Manasseh. God is able to do a work of healing in your soulish man, your mind, your will, your emotions, your heart. God is able to do a work of healing that will release you from the pain of what's been done to you. Think about that. Some of you in the house today, you need that blessing. God is able to release you from the pain of what's happened. God is able, in the words of Joseph, to make you forget the pain, the toil. It's not that the memory ever leaves. Joseph knew his brothers years later when they came to buy grain. He didn't forget about his father's house. He forgot the toil of it. God helped him forget the pain. What happened was at some point in time, I cannot tell you when it was, how it was, I can't tell you that. But at some point in time in, in Joseph's life, before he ever got out of prison, Joseph had an encounter with God where God touched it and said, let it go, I'm going to heal you and let you move on from here. I want you to hear me today. Number one, God wants to bless your life and liberate you from what's happened. He wants to take away the hurt and the pain so you can move on. But then the second son he named Ephraim. Ephraim means God has caused me. Think about that. God has caused me to be fruitful even in the land of my affliction. When my brothers wanted to kill me, God had a better plan. He put me in a dry well and then sold me into Egypt. Oh, that's a horrible thing. No, God had a better plan. God had an escape hatch. When he was lied about and thrown in prison, little did Joseph know when he first went in, that was his route to the, to the penthouse. The only way for him to get into the court of Pharaoh was for him to go to prison. And he recognized God's hand is upon me. God has a plan in all of this. God gave me a dream when I was a young man. I'll not turn loose of that. I don't care what happens along the journey. I'm going to sit on the throne. I am not going to be stuck in the prison forever. So the second son he named Ephraim. God has blessed me. Even in the midst of my tragedies and problems. Even in the midst of what my brothers did to me. What Potiphar's wife did to me. All that was done to me. In the middle of all of it, God kept blessing me. But I want you to notice today the birth order of God's blessing. The first blessing is Manasseh. Forget. The second blessing is Ephraim. 
blessing beyond anything you ever imagined. Right in the midst of the tragedy, God can bless you. But let me show you how human nature works. Human nature says, oh, but God, this has happened. I will always be a victim of this. I will always carry this. I will never be able to forget this. I will never be able to become all that I could have done. God, if it hadn't been for my brothers, if it hadn't been for Potiphar's wife, if he just listened to me, if the baker and the butler in prison had just listened to me, God, I wouldn't be in this mess. But God, now my life is so scarred by all the things that happened. See, we tend to think the greatest blessing is the blessing of healing. That the greater blessing is the blessing of Ephraim. It's release from the pain to move forward as if it never happened. That's the greater blessing. Now, look, if you would, Genesis 48. I want to look at the second scene in Joseph's life that I want you to see. Genesis 48, I'm going to begin at verse 13. And Joseph took them both. Now, let me paint the scene for you. Joseph's family has all come to Egypt. He's given them land, taken good care of them. His father has come in his old age to spend his last years there. And it was the tradition of these men of the day when they got old to bless their children, to speak blessing over their lives, and if you will, to even prophesy over them. It was also the intent of fathers to lay their hands on the children the firstborn would receive the firstborn son would receive the biggest blessing and greatest blessing and then the other blessings would be distributed it's kind of like last will and testament being spoken so joseph realizing i was separated from dad for years now he's back in the land dad's getting old he's not going to live long i want dad to bless my boys Manasseh and Ephraim. So Joseph came in and brought Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, I'm going to have uh, Nick and Zach come help me this morning. Guys, come on up here real quick. <clears throat> Zach, since you are the older, I'll let you be Manasseh. And Nick, since you're the younger, I'll let you be Ephraim, okay? <clears throat> so here's what they would do. The, the father would go in and he would, or in this case the grandfather, and he would lay his hands on the boys to bless them. Now, look at verse 13. I'm going to read with me. You guys, if you want, you can turn around and read on the screen because you need to learn this. This will help you in your future, okay? <laughs> Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand and brought them near him. Now, here's what I want to do right here. You guys come help me. Zach, I want you to kneel down right here. Kneel down at my feet. Just like I've always made you do. Turn around here. Come on. No, turn around this way. Face me. Nick, you, you get right next to him here. So here's what, here's what Joseph did. He brought his boys in. He took the oldest and put him here. Put the younger, put him here so that his father's hand, the right hand, the first blessing would go here. The second blessing would go there. Now you guys stay right here. Okay, be very reverent. Verse 14. Then Israel, or Jacob, remember Jacob's name was turned, turned to Israel. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head. 
Now notice the words, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So here's what he did. This old man, probably sitting down, does this. He cross-handed him. But he did it knowingly. Now, what he began to do, the next two verses, we're not going to read them, but he began to speak the blessing that was on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he put upon these two boys. Okay? He began to bless them with the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The entire nation, he poured the blessing on these two. Now, look at verse number 17. Skip down to 17. Now, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. Joseph said, no, 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 no. That's not how it goes. The older gets the first blessing. You, you, you got your hands crossed. It displeased him. And so he took of his hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a great people. He also shall be great, but truly, notice the words, truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. And then funny verse 20, notice this. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, by your two names, by you Israel were blessed, saying, May God bless you as what? Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. See, Jacob, Israel said, you know what? I've watched your life, Joseph. I've seen what's happened here. I know you want the oldest son to get the bigger blessing, but God has something to say about this. It takes an amazing blessing to overcome the hurt and the pain and the toil of the past. But once you overcome that, I have a bigger blessing for you if you're willing to walk away and leave it behind because I'm going to pour Ephraim into your life. Think about that. Joseph says, oh, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. He says, I know, I know, I know. But, but you need to understand, from this time forward, it will always be remembered with Israel. When you start speaking about blessing, the first thing they say is blessing upon you as Ephraim and Manasseh. Thanks, guys. You, you can go sit down. Give them a hand. See, we tend to think, oh, if, if God could just heal my hurt and heal my pain, if he could just do that, it would be the greatest blessing ever. No, the greatest blessing ever would be for God to heal the hurt and pain and you get up from that moment and walk forward and say, now I'm going to experience more of God's blessings than I've ever known. That's where the bigger blessing is. It's a cross-handed blessing. We get it backward. God, if you'll do this and this and this. God says, no, 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 no. I can do that. But the greater blessing comes when you rise up and walk into a better future. There is a release from the bondage 
of victimization. And I want every person watching online today in the sound of my voice here in the building, I want you to hear really closely what I have to say the next couple of minutes. There are a lot of things that happen in life that we cannot control. But how we respond to what happens will shape our future. And sometimes things happen in life. Some of you have been through amazingly difficult things, painful things, horrific things. I could tell stories of things I know that I've seen through the years that people have had to walk through in church. But God wants us to know today He's able to heal your broken heart. He's able to heal your broken heart. He's able to heal your broken heart and take away the pain. But when he does that, he wants to take the tag of victim off of you so you can rise to your feet as if this thing never happened to me. And I will have the memory, but the pain is gone. And what happened to me back there, what was done to me back there, cannot shape my future. I don't have to be a victim anymore. I don't have to be that person. I don't have to be that person. Somebody needs to hear this today. Early this morning, God dropped this in my heart. Some of you think being a victim the rest of your life is the cross God has for you to bear. Jesus already bore that cross. He took your victimization at the cross. He wants you to go to the cross and leave it there and let the blood of Jesus cleanse you and walk away free and walk into a life that's better than any life you've ever known. That's God's plan for you, to free you from victimization. See, I can choose to forgive or I can choose to hate and resent for the rest of my life. It's my choice. I can choose to be a new creature in Christ or I can choose to be a half new creature who's still angry about what used to be. I can choose to accept God's healing or I can live in bitterness. I can live looking forward or I can live looking back over my shoulder. I can be defined by what people have done to me. I can be defined by my own nasty, stupid mistakes. Or I can choose to be defined by what God says about me. It's my choice. It's my choice. I can repent or I can live in shame. The greater blessing is ahead of me. It's not behind me. Oh, oh, if I could just have a blessing that would free me. You can have the blessing that will free you. The question is, are you willing to walk away from it and leave it there and move into more? That's the question. There's a work of Manasseh God has for you. The question is, are you willing to walk by faith and walk into the blessing of Ephraim? You know, I preached a message a couple of years ago probably, and I talked a little bit about 
guy named Bartimaeus. How many of you know who Bartimaeus is? Bartimaeus is the guy in the New Testament sat on, the, on beggar's row in Jericho. The, the order of the day was you can be a beggar and you can sit in the streets and beg for help, but you have to be recognized as someone who deserves to be a beggar. So what they would do is they'd give you beggar's clothes to wear. So if you're sitting by the side of the road and you're wearing beggar's clothes, people know, oh, this is somebody who can't take care of themselves. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give them some money. If you're not wearing beggar's clothes, they know you're not a beggar. You're just working a scam. So to wear the beggar's garment said, this is who I am. This is what I am. I'm a victim of something. That's what put me here. Please help me. Bartimaeus was known as blind Bartimaeus. You know why? Because he was blind. That's deep. That's deep. I got that out of the original writings. Blind Bartimaeus. He wasn't Bartimaeus. He's blind Bartimaeus. Why? Because he couldn't see. One day he hears a, a ruckus and he hears a crowd of people passing by and he's got his alms bag out there. Give me money, give me money, give me money. Can't see, but he can hear. And all of a sudden he hears the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus again. And it gets closer and closer. People beginning to call out the name of Jesus and the crowds are getting bigger. And Bartimaeus hears that name and he's heard about Jesus. So he begins to cry out, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. He recognized who he was. Son of David, have mercy on me. And somebody said, shut up, Bartimaeus. Shut up. They can't hear you. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, shut up. Man, there's a crowd. You can't. He didn't have time for you. You blind beggar. Just shut up. Oh, son of David, have mercy. It gets louder and louder and louder. And it catches the ear of Jesus. Let me tell you something. God always hears the voice of faith. Always. God always hears the voice of people who want to get off of beggar's row and move forward. He always hears that voice. He hears that cry. Oh, son of David, who's calling me? Uh, that's just blind Bartimaeus. Bring him to me. Somebody turns to Bartimaeus and said, Bartimaeus, you never believe this. Jesus heard you and Jesus wants to see you. He, come on, let me help you get to Jesus. You know what Bartimaeus does? They help him to his feet, and the first thing he does is he takes off that beggar's robe, and he throws it down, and he says, you may call me blind Bartimaeus all my life, but you're not going to call me blind for much longer because I'm going to go stand before the king. Manasseh is coming, and then Ephraim's coming. Don't call me blind Bartimaeus anymore. See, some of us wear that tag, it was this, or it was this, or it was this. My mom did this, my dad did this, my uncle, my aunt, on and on it goes, my boss, my ex-spouse, all this stuff. And God says, rise up out of that and take off that victimization robe and throw it down because I have a better life for you to live. It's yours if you want it. It's yours if you want it. Think about Jesus. Pardon me for getting excited. I won't do this second service. That's more of a seeker service. <laughs> Hebrews 12, verse 2 tells us to look to Jesus, who's the author and, and finisher of faith. And it says in there, now, now think about this. It says, speaking of Jesus, it says, for the joy set before him, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. 
And as a result of that, he's now sat down at the right hand of God. Do you know what happened to Jesus on the cross was the worst thing that could happen to anybody in the land where he lived in that day? Crucifixion was not just the most horrific death, it was the most shameful death. Galatians says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. People looked at it and said, that guy claimed to be the king of the Jews. He's a fraud. He's a liar. He deserves to die. He's a scum of the earth. Jesus took all of that because he saw better things would lie ahead. He saw the resurrection. He saw the ascension. He saw millions of people joining the family of God because of what he was doing on the cross. Let me ask you a question. How do you see Jesus today? You see Jesus as a victim? I see him as a victor. You think Jesus is sitting in heaven saying, oh, it's just so horrible what they did to me. I just can't believe all that stuff happened. Father, I don't know why you don't just crush them like ants. It's so horrible, God. They, they crucified me. No, for the joy set before him, he, Manasseh, walked away from what was being done to him that was wrong so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon all of us. If we don't see Jesus as a loser, if we don't see Jesus filled with shame, why do we see ourselves as losers filled with shame? Huh? Explain that to me. If we see him high and lifted up, if we see what we see in the book of Revelation as the, the eyes and the sharp sword coming out of his mouth and the glory of God, if that's the Jesus we serve, then why shouldn't we rise up and live out the same glory he paid for us to have? That's the heart of God. There's an amazing blessing in Manasseh. There's a bigger blessing in Ephraim. One more verse of scripture. Actually, two more. Look at Philippians 3 real quickly. I got to hurry. Everybody turn to somebody and say, he's hurrying. <laughs> Paul understood this. Paul had a lot of stuff in his past. He persecuted the church. He was a part of imprisoning and killing Christians. Ugly past. But then he was also the man that circled a lot of the globe, a lot of the known world of that day, establishing churches. Here's what he said in Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, what's that? Manasseh. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. What's that? Ephraim. What do you do with all the stuff? Take it to the cross and leave it there and walk away. Walk to a better future. These young guys on our staff, one of them backslid and got tattoos. <laughs> Actually, three of them did. I'm kidding when I say that, okay? But listen to me. Every now and then they'll say, oh, when are you going to get a tattoo? And I tell them, as soon as I find something that's worthy of this body, I, I will, I'll get a tattoo. <laughs> it will have an old school Elvis TCB taking care of business. <laughs> and then it'll have Philippians 
This one thing I do, I forget what's behind so I can reach for what's ahead. How do you live life? How do you overcome all the stuff? You forget what's behind. And if you'll forget what's behind, you can then reach for what's ahead. But you cannot reach for what's ahead while you're holding on to what's behind you. Manasseh leads to a greater blessing. See, God doesn't want to just give you back what you had. He wants to give you more than you ever dreamed you could have. That's the heart of God. One last verse, Joshua 5, verse 9. Israel has died in the wilderness. An entire generation died in the wilderness. A new generation rises up and they go in and possess the promised land. They sleep, they cross Jordan's River. I don't have time to tell the whole story. They cross Jordan's River. They spend their first night in the promised land. It's a new world, a new life. Something that's been sitting out there for 40 years. Verse 9, here's what it says, Joshua 5, 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt. The The slavery... The shame of being a slave. The memories of being a slave. I was, I was, I was, I am because of that. I am because of that. The first generation could not conquer the mentality of being a victim of slavery. And they never possessed the land. But the next generation rose up and God said, now I wipe away all that shame and reproach. They never knew the bondage of Egypt. They're freed from it. They can go on in me and possess the land and enjoy a blessed life. Rolled away the, pro, the reproach of Egypt from you, therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal means to roll something off and roll it away. You know what happens when you go to the cross? Gilgal. God rolls it off and he rolls it away so you can go free. So what happened to you? Fill in the blank. Blank happened to me. What happened to you? This happened to me. Today, God wants to take away the pain, and then God wants you to lay it down, take off the robe, throw it down, and say, I'm going to a new life. I'm not going to be that person anymore. I'm free in Jesus' name. I want to pray for you. Father, you've spoken to us so clearly today. I pray right now in Jesus' name for those who are hurting today. God, you know their pain. For those who are hurting today, I ask you to do a work of healing in their soulish person, their mind, their will, their emotions, in their hearts. Do a work of healing that begins to remove the pain of what's gone, gone on, what's happened. What caused them to be a victim? Father, heal that pain right now. God, we give it to you. We give it, I give it to you, Father. What's happened, I give it to you. Bring healing into their lives. And then, Father, release them. Give them the will, the courage to make up their minds. I will never be a slave to that again. And then rise to their feet and go forward and reach for the blessing, the Ephraim that you have ahead of them. Manasseh, forgetfulness, Ephraim, blessing. Father, open up our thinking. Open up our hearts to think bigger and believe bigger than we've ever believed before. We're not victims. 
We're not enslaved to fear, to sin, to things that people have done. We're free from all of it because of Jesus. God, help people today to rise up and walk to a brand new life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, real quickly. How how many people in the room, real fast, will say, Gary, you've talked to me today. Ephraim, Manasseh, I understand those things. Some things have happened, but I want to be free and I want to be blessed. Let me see your hands. Just raise them, put them right back down. Thank you. Father, do that work. Do that work today as we honor you, as we worship you. Do that work. While heads are still bowed, eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, all this sounds good and it it resonates in me, but I don't know God. I, I don't know that I deserve this. I don't understand all of it. My heart's hurting. I want a brand new life, but I don't know what to do. Friend, today we're not here to give you religion. We're here to introduce you to a God who has a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. But he needs your cooperation. He needs you to invite him in. God put his own son on a cross to pay for your mistakes and my mistakes so we could be free from the past and walk into a brand new life. But it takes faith. It all begins with words, a simple prayer of saying, God, I want you and I need you and I welcome you in my life. I want to lead everybody here in this prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask everybody, pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I open my life to you. Please come in. Change everything. Give me a brand new life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus as the Lord of my life. I take everything to the cross. I lay it down. And I pick up a brand new life. From this moment on, you are my father. I am your child because of Jesus. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. I want to do something. I'm going to ask everybody here, stand to your feet. This is not the dismissal. We have a couple more things planned. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song of worship and praise that fits this moment. It identifies with the message. And I want us to celebrate today Manasseh. And then I also want us to celebrate even more Ephraim, what God is going to do in our lives. Feel free this morning as we sing to sing with us, to lift your hands, to praise God and worship Him and walk into the freedom God has for you. You unravel me with the melody. You surround me with song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. And I'm no longer a slave. From my mother's womb, you have 
before we change the order of things, I got to do this. How do you define your life today? How do you define yourself? Wish I had time to tell you my life story. I'll tell you how I define myself. I've been to the cross and I'm a blessed man today. I've been to the cross and I'm a child of God. I am who God says I am. Well, today, maybe, wow. Wish we had 10 more minutes, but we don't have 10 more minutes. We've only got, well, we might have 12 more minutes. Do it that way. We don't, but here's the thing. Please hear me. Walk away from what's behind. Leave it at the cross and go forward into a brand new life of blessing. That's what God has for you today. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And today, if, if you prayed that prayer a few moments ago and you just committed your life to God and you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you're the prodigal and you've been on the run for a while, you know what? Welcome to the family of God. Before you leave the house today, we've got a little booklet we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. It's just a little bit of reading to help you get started walking with God. We want to give it to you. When service is over, there'll be people at the front of the building. They're just everyday folks like you and me. Come on down say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. If you've got questions, they'll answer questions. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. If you need prayer for something, they'll help you. But let us give it to you before you leave. If you're in a really big rush, out in the middle of the lobby, right in the center of the glass doors before you leave. There's a counter set up there. You can stop by there and get the very same booklet. Would you join me and put your hands together? Let's welcome new family members into the family today. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Wow, what an amazing morning. It is so good being in church with all of you today. I'm so glad you're all here. And You know, at this time in the service, we're going to worship God with our giving. And as we prepare to do that, I just wanted to take a moment and, and just share with you a bit of what we as a church are sowing into in the nation of Scotland. We have had a long-time relationship with ministry partners there, Pastors Bernie and Nan McLaughlin. Some of you have met them as they've come through the church in years past. And they planted a church in Scotland years and years ago, and it was just so good to be with them this past week. And we had several days of ministry with them, and we're seeing what God is doing there. They now have a second campus. Their son and daughter-in-law are taking on more of a, a leadership pastoral role in the church, and it was great to spend time with them and hear what's in their heart for the future and reaching the next generation in Scotland. And I just want to tell you this morning, Scotland is a mission field. About 2% of the nation are followers of Jesus. But you know what's so exciting is that we get to be part of making a difference there and changing that as we partner with people who have a heart to reach that nation. So as we give today, just know that your giving is not just making a difference here at home, but across the globe through different missions efforts, including Scotland. So thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. And as the ushers come this morning, let's check out our church news together. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Ashley and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you feel right at home this morning and that you and your family have a wonderful time with us. 
There is always a lot happening at the bridge and we would love for you to be involved. So here's a look at a few things coming up in the days ahead. We hope you'll find your place and be a part of what God's doing here at the bridge. Day Camp is just a few weeks away from July 8th through the 11th. Each year, Kids Day Camp is made possible by the support and efforts of people like you. If you would like to serve this year, you can sign up by visiting our website and clicking on the tab that says Upcoming. You can also sign up to serve through the Bridge app. Even if you're a parent with young kids, childcare will be available just for you. With your help, we can make an eternal impact on kids' lives. Thanks for making Kids Day Camp an amazing experience. Next Sunday is Father's Day, and we would love to share this special day with you and your family. We have a fun day planned in church, so we hope you'll bring your family and join us. If you're new to the bridge, we want to personally invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in church life. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For more general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also stay plugged in by downloading the Bridge app just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 